friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. I just would love for people to know, like, God does not waste your talents. Like, he's not going to forget that he gave you this gift, and he's the ultimate, like, recycler. I've heard people say that before, but he really is. Yeah. So it might look different. It might look like I never dreamed that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And there was hard seasons like in between and all of that, but he ultimately, he is working things for our good. Welcome to episode 52 of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here and I cannot believe that we are coming up on the anniversary of our launch date next week. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear what we're going to be doing to celebrate and kind of what's coming up in this next season. Today's conversation is with Bailey Teeter, and you guys are going to love her. Bailey graduated with her master's degree from Lipscomb University and is a licensed counselor working part-time doing equine-assisted counseling. She's also a dancer and directs the Adonai Arts Academy dance program. I love that we actually got connected through this podcast. You'll hear more about that story in the show today. Bailey currently lives in Nashville, Tennessee with her husband. She has a beautiful heart for seeing people find freedom. Bailey recently started a blog called Paraclesis with a vision of seeing it grow into a full ministry. Her mission is to use creativity to help people connect to God for healing and growth. We chat about Bailey growing up with passions for both volleyball and dance. After finishing up college, Bailey spent a year in Europe doing mission work before pursuing her counseling degree. She shares what it was like to experience burnout and talks about when we can know if it's time for a shift of seasons in our own lives. I enjoyed hearing about the power of creative therapy and learning more about what working with horses and equine-assisted therapy looks like, which seriously is so amazing, you guys. There's such cool stories that I can't wait for you to hear. I'm so inspired by Bailey and her heart for serving other people. Enjoy my conversation with Bailey Teeter. It's super exciting to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've been listening to your podcast probably for a year, so it's crazy That's to be so cool. on the show. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I, I think it's super cool thinking back when you mentioned like, hey, I actually was the one who reached out to you back in, I was looking back, was it like October or? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I know. It was a while back, September or October, somewhere in there. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, That's right. And it's just so cool. Mm-hmm that like we've gotten connected up through this and through McCall and crazy the connections. So yes, love it. Yeah. It's really cool. I was thinking too about McCall. So I've been in Nashville for almost seven years and she's been like in and out of my life in different ways. Mm -hmm. And she's actually one of the people that told me to apply for a dance teaching position that kind of set me on the path that I'm at now. And then this is connection here. Like God has used her in a lot of cool ways. So I'm really thankful yeah, for that. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so awesome. Well, hi, McCall, if you're listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we send her we love you. Here. Yeah, exactly. But so cool. And I just love how God works and yeah, connects people. So super awesome. And thanks for being so supportive and encouraging because it's seriously like those little messages. You don't know how much they mean when you're like just starting off and you know, am I, yeah. should I actually keep doing this? So yeah, it meant a lot. 
Well, there's been a lot of really good episodes that I've really enjoyed and God has spoken to me through them. So that's just really fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bailey, do you want to just share a little bit about kind of who you are and what you're up to currently? Yeah, I guess I've been in Nashville for seven years. I guess it'll be seven years in August. Okay, cool. I moved here to go to grad school to get my master's degree in clinical counseling. And I met my husband and stayed. So <laughs> there's that part. Yeah. I currently am working as an equine assisted counselor. And I also direct a Christian dance program called Adonai Arts Academy. So we have art, music, dance, and theater. And I'm over the dance portion of it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm starting up a like a blog slash ministry thing that's called Paraclesis that's been on my heart for two or three years, I think. And I'm finally getting some ground with that. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear about all these different areas. And (laughs) I'm like, that's so cool. The equine assisted counseling and just so many fun things. And like your, what you're building currently, it's going to be just cool to hear this part of the journey. And then, you know, maybe we can have a follow-up later down the road and (laughs) hear how things are going and stuff. So yeah. All the different pieces. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So do you want to kind of share a little bit about just your journey, like growing up and what got you into dance and the arts yeah. realm? So the, the dance portion. Yes. Yeah. I've been a dancer probably from the age I could walk. Like, yeah, I was the little kid that my parents have pictures of me just wearing like tutus everywhere That's when awesome. I was little. So, <laughs> but my family, what's really cool just looking at where I am now directing a Christian dance program. And then like my family, my mom grew up in um, a Christian, I guess, denomination that did not allow dancing. Oh, yeah. So from that place of like dancing is not, you know, biblical, not, not that it's biblical, like dancing was bad mm-hmm. to this place of now in our lineage, I'm, I'm rewriting the story for a lot of other kids, which is just really cool. Like a beginning to end kind of picture, but yeah, in one generation too. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Just the way that God's redeeming that is beautiful. But yeah, I grew up dancing. So my parents weren't dancers. They were athletes. And so they played all the sports and tried to get me to play all the sports. And I was bad at all of them, (laughs) like sit in the field, pick flowers, trying to play softball, Uh glove on the head, like a hat kind of thing. Right. It's like, I just want to be a ballerina. Like I just want to dance. And I tried all of them. And then in fourth grade, my mom had me try out for volleyball. She's like, just try one more. If you hate it, you don't have to do it again. And I actually ended up loving it. So my two passions all through life have been ballet and volleyball, which is really different. Most people just have one. Right. That's a cool combo, actually. Yeah. Like, and I was so fearful for so long that I was going to have to choose. Like I was told like in fifth grade, well, once you get to middle school, you're not going to be able to do both. And in middle school, going into high school, they're like, you can't do both. And God paved the way. So I did all through high school. I played volleyball and I did ballet and I was a busy kid, but yeah. I'm so thankful for both things. I mean, just that I had both of those passions was just really sweet. And like the artistic side of me and like the competitive, like driven side of me both had outlets. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. There was definitely scheduling conflict that was really hard and like having to miss out on things or I had to switch studios to Mm kind of stick with it. But that was like up through high school. I was able to do both. I even remember the varsity volleyball coach as a freshman came and got me out of class and told me, she was like, Hey, I understand that you're also a dancer. And I was like, Oh no, here it goes. It's over. And she was like, I just want you to know I'm going to work with you. 
Like, I'm not going to make you pick. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And yeah, when you're in that moment, like, oh no, what's coming? I'm not sure. Yeah. And then to be supported like that, that's huge. So, yeah. So that was a huge gift. Just kind of like a stamp of approval from God. He's like, Hey, like I've given you these things, like I'm going to work it out. Yeah. And then I went to college on a volleyball scholarship. So played all four years, which was great. Yeah. But I remember for the dance part of me, my senior year in high school, finishing my last performance and like sitting in the corner of the theater, crying my eyes out because I thought I was never going to dance again. Yeah. I can imagine that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I just didn't see a possible way. I thought that, you know, I'm done dancing. Like I'm not going to be a professional. Like if I have to do volleyball, I just did not see a way of keeping up with it. So Mm -hmm. I was really heartbroken. And if I could go back, I would have been like, Hey, just trust God. But at that point, you know, I had no idea how it was going to play out, but right. So I went to school for volleyball. Fun fact, there's my senior year. We won our conference championship tournament, like in our home gym on my mom's birthday. And I got the last point of my last game of my career. So that was like just a cool little fun fact with that. But yes, that's awesome. (laughs) It's a good like exclamation point on the whole thing. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. and this is closure. Yes. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. And going into my senior year, I started feeling a lot like I knew I wanted to go to grad school. I wanted to do counseling. That's a whole nother story, but God had started putting on my heart what it would look like to maybe take a year off and do a year of mission work. Mm -hmm. And I had studied French for like seven years. And I was like, why did I study French? I started taking French because ballet is French. So I I only (laughs) took it for, I guess I took two years of French, but you know, still it was like, you understand. Yeah, exactly. And know kind of how to pronounce things. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> but mostly I just talked about, you know, they always have different questions they ask you in class. And I think I my default was always like dance and chocolate were like <laughs> my two go-to words. Like I like chocolate and I love to dance. Yes. <laughs> but That's awesome. seven years is definitely yeah. a bit more legit. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns out I didn't know a whole lot, but. Gotcha. It's hard it when was- you're not actually immersed in it. Absolutely. Language, learning a language was not my forte. I will say that. That was French was like my hardest class all the way through. I'm not really sure why I stuck with it other than God, but Mm -hmm. um, I started having this like pull on my heart. Like, okay, I studied French. What am I going to do with that? Why do I have that? What would it look like doing an internship, doing mission work for a year? So I reached out to one of my professors who had directed at a camp I worked at and he had some ties to mission work, like in Italy and different parts of Europe. And so I was like, so what do I even do? How do I make this happen if this is what I'm supposed to do? And he said, well, I want you to come up with a resume of your, basically of your life. And I was like, okay. So like my school education, working as a counselor, like a a church camp counselor. And I was like volleyball and, and dance. And he was, this is also one of the denominations that said, you know, dancing was not part of church or whatever. So Mm -hmm. he was like, well, I'd just be hesitant to put dance on there. You know, some people are just kind of funny about that. And I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. 
And so I kind of went back, um, went home, I prayed about it. I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I can't leave that off of my resume. That is a Mm -hmm. huge part of my heart. Even if I haven't been doing it in college, like it is a really big part of who I am. Yeah. I put it on there as like, I danced for, I don't know, 15 years or whatever it was all the way through high school. And he sent it out to a handful of different people he knew in Europe who kind of passed it along, you know, this little circle of missionaries. Mm -hmm. And I got an email back, I think within like four hours from a specific church. Wow. They were like, every single piece of your life aligns with our mission here, even the dance part. And I was just, I remember sitting on my couch and I was like, is this real? Is this real? Like, God, you are amazing. This makes no sense. Yeah, that is epic for sure. (laughs) Like all the pieces coming together. Uh Uh-huh. So they had one of their daughters was a dancer and had been teaching dance classes at the church as part of just community outreach and getting to know their neighbors. I mean, they've been missionaries for over 25, 30 years. They've been there a long time. So their kids were raised there. And she was leaving to come to the States to go to college. And so they had all of these students and these kids that had been coming to take dance classes mm-hmm. and they needed somebody to step in and teach at the church. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yes. That's perfect. And at the same time, they had had an ongoing relationship with a local dance academy. It was like professional academy called the Mediterranean Dance Academy. But the okay. people who started it were like Etoiles and you know, France mm-hmm. and all of those things. So it was pretty legit. And so God gave dance back to me. And while I was in France doing mission work, I got to teach. And then I got to take ballet back in like full point, like everything three days a week, like really picked it back up and got to perform in La Bayadere and get to just learn different styles and techniques. Mm, And that's it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And to Get back on point. That yeah. definitely is getting like real back into it <laughs> for sure. I have yeah. some gnarly blister pictures from. Oh, I bet. Yeah, just all in. Uh-huh. But it was just so sweet. God knew that I needed that in so many different ways. Like one, just giving dance back to me. And then two, having been an athlete my entire life, moving from college to this community in France. I didn't have a physical outlet and I would have probably lost my mind not knowing because people in France don't like, at least they didn't just go to the gym and exercise. So dance was a really big thing for me, not just like that spiritual artistic side, but like physically just getting exercise. Mm -hmm. So that that was really sweet. Yeah. But then I um, moved back to Nashville, got accepted to Lipscomb University for the master's in clinical counseling program. And yeah. When I moved back, I was like, I can't stop dancing. Like God's given it back to me. I can't stop. So I just started taking random classes around um, Nashville, just community classes. I was like, I don't think this is going anywhere, but I just love it. And I want to still be active in the dance community. And that's actually where I met McCall, which. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Pretty early on in living here. So kind of saw her around. Mm -hmm. And when I was taking classes, I met another dancer who was starting up her own small dance company. And she asked if I wanted to be a part of it. Cool. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. So we did ballet and contemporary works. 
It's called the Dancer Project, and they don't actually have a company per se anymore. It's much more like a school. Okay. But for those first couple of years, just like getting to do classes and do original pieces, and Jen is just an incredible teacher, incredible creative, like the way that the body moves and everything. Like it was really fun getting to dance her pieces and mm-hmm. have things like kind of created for my body, which was something I'd never experienced before. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a different process than like learning a ballet or, you know, choreography that's been around Absolutely. a long time for sure. So Absolutely. Um, and just even the contemporary side of things, I was pretty much only a ballerina. So like, oh wait, my arm goes this way instead of that, you know, like (laughs) the lines were different, Uh but so much like I learned from her, I take into like my teaching now because Mm -hmm. she was very um, intent on like correct alignment and not just like forcing yourself. And so I, I learned a lot getting to dance with her and did that for, I think, I think it was three years. I can't really remember, but um, did that for about three years, but I, then I graduated from school I got engaged. I started a full-time job counseling and I was trying to like fit it all in at the same time. Ooh, yeah. And that was next to impossible. Like I was taking class two nights a week and on Saturdays, I was teaching at different places two nights a week. I was working a full-time job. I had to see my fiance, like just so much. And I was really burned out and really unhappy Mm -hmm. and kind of looking at my schedule in my life, I was like, you know what, like these things like dance, I think it's time for it to go just right now. Like Mm -hmm. I I think it doesn't fit in the schedule anymore. It doesn't fit. Like I still enjoyed dancing, but it just wasn't as like inspiring as it had been. It been, it felt kind of heavy, like something I had to do instead of something I wanted to do. Mm, Yeah. And I think it was just a season. It's just trying to do it all. And I remember this time thinking, okay, if God doesn't give dance back to me this time, he'll bring me something different. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge shift for me because every other time, like that senior year of high school, like leaving France, every other time I really stressed out about like, how am I going to keep dance in my life? Because I love it so much. But this time I had a lot of peace about it. And I was like, you know what? If it doesn't work out, it's okay. He'll bring something different and just kind of stepping into marriage and Mm -hmm. all sorts of other things. So yeah, I I quit. I don't know. I I guess I essentially retired from dancing. Yeah. Air quotes around that one. Uh (laughs) I don't know if you can really ever fully retire from being a dancer, but I did that. And then I want to say maybe like eight months later, well, around the same time of wanting to like retire, I kept thinking like, I'm curious about what dance's worship looks like. I just mm-hmm. felt like God started opening my heart to that. And just this creative idea, like we were made to like David dances before God all the time. Yes. And we see about like the dancers going before the army and the worshipers and stuff. Like there's so much in scripture about it. And I did not grow up that way. And some of my friends had more experience with that and they would talk about it or dancing in church. And it's like, what does that look like? What does that, what would that look like in my life? And yeah, kind of piquing the curiosity and yeah. Yeah. Looking into so it. I left, I left my side, like I retired and, but I kind of continued to think about it and our church was in, I guess, February. So this is probably like six months later, our church was in a season of prayer and fasting and 
is 30 days, but we weren't fasting like all 30 days. It kind of varies. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're in a season of specific prayer and fasting. And I remember in that season, the Lord put so clearly on my heart, this lady that I knew of through some other friends, Mm -hmm. her name is Serenity. And he just put her on my heart. He's like, you need to go talk to Serenity. And I knew that she had started like a Christian dance program like years ago. Some of the friends I know, their kids had danced with her, like all of these things, mm-hmm. putting her on my heart. And so I saw her, they came as visitors to our church for like a worship night. And God was like, go talk to her, go talk to her. And I don't think I'd ever actually met her. I knew her oldest daughter because she would come to youth group stuff, but I never actually met Serenity and gotcha. um, just heard a lot about her mm-hmm. through some really good friends of ours. But so I went over there. I was like, Hey, I want to know more about like your story with like dance as a form of worship and all these things. And she's mm-hmm. like, yes, we're going to Africa this summer to take dance to the, like, she just was like, yes, definitely. Let's get together. And so I did not, I didn't get her number, but I was like, I'll get it from our friends. Mm-hmm. And so some time passed and I just didn't reach out. I'm not really sure why. And then God started putting me on her heart again. And so she was like, hey, we need to get together. So we got together and I thought we were going to sit down and she was going to tell me her testimony and her story. And I was going to hear about how God used dance in her life. Mm -hmm. And we sit down and she starts telling me about Adonai and where it began and where it is now and how she stepped back a few years ago from leading it and then had another person leading it. And now we're looking for a director. And I was wondering if he'd be interested. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. You're like, wait, what? Was, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? Are you, are you sure? Like, I yeah. really didn't know her that well. She didn't know what kind of dancer I was, what much about my experience. Like, wow. but God, God did that. He orchestrated that. And yes. even the timing of it, like. I had quit my full-time job as a counselor and started the equine therapy stuff. And I didn't want to counsel full-time. It's very emotionally draining. I can imagine. So I wanted to teach dance, be more creative. And so it just, it fit in my schedule, it fit in my life. And so going from being curious about how dance is a form of worship to now directing a program where we use dance to worship God. We had our recital a couple of weeks ago, and it was just beautiful, like Aww. all the teachers and the students. So that's been my dance journey. <laughs> yeah, that's so incredible. And it's just, it's neat to see, you know, how God sometimes, you know, it feels like he's taking things away. But like you said, either he's giving it back at another season or, you know, going to change things up and bring something even better along, you know, or just something different. So yeah, Absolutely. I would love to hear you. And you kind of already spoke to it a little bit, just in telling your story, but I know there's probably a lot of dancers out there and this could apply to other arts, but I feel like especially dancers were like, I don't, it's just such a full body experience, I guess, and full person experience that we were very attached to it, I guess, if that makes sense, like the identity mm. piece. So yes, would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what it was like stepping away from dance in any of those seasons. And then some advice, I guess, if anyone feels like they're kind of in that place, how they can evaluate that and be like, is this the right time to step away? And yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like I worded yeah. that very well, but hopefully you know it's I mean. okay. Just kind of like how to know when it's the right season and what to do about it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had a garden last year for the first time oh, yeah. and 
I feel like God taught me so much about life through mm-hmm. my garden mm-hmm. so much. So I'm like writing a, a blog series called lessons from a garden. Oh, cool. But one of them has been about like the seasons of planting things in your garden. And if you don't, if you've never gardened before, which this is my first like vegetable garden, mm-hmm. your beans will grow and they'll grow and they'll grow. And then they start to look awful and they start to look like they're mm-hmm. not producing the right fruit. And so you got to pull them out. And the cucumbers, like my cucumbers were prolific all summer long. They were so full. Like every day I'd go out and get like three cucumbers every day. Yeah, wow. So many I didn't know what to do with that. Uh But then it gets to a certain time of the season and the vine starts turning yellow and the fruit looks shriveled and it just doesn't look the way that it's supposed to look. And kind of makes me think of like, you know, Jesus said, you could tell if a tree is good or bad by its fruit. Mm-hmm. And not that dance is necessarily bad, but like looking at the fruit of what it looks like in your life, maybe mm. and seeing, is this the fruit that I want to have? At least the season for me, when I did intentionally step away was because there was so much else going on and dance did not in a way it didn't feel blessed anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that dancing those three years was a mistake or anything like that, but it was just, when I planted those cucumbers, they were blessed. Yeah. But by the end of the season, it was time to pull them out so I could make space for something else. Yeah. And in that season, it was making space for a baby marriage. Like mm-hmm. it just needed to happen. And I think too, like another part and every other time I stressed about it, I just would love for people to know like God does not waste your talents. Like he's not going to forget that he gave you this gift and he's the ultimate like recycler. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, like I've heard people say that before, but he really is. If he's given you this love for dancing and moving your body and being creative, I don't think he's going to like stick you in a cubicle and say, you should never move again. Mm -hmm. Like that's not his heart for you. And so it might look different. It might look like things you know, like I never dreamed that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. And there was hard seasons like in between and all of that, but he ultimately, he is working things for our good and his heart is for us. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, it could be 10 years down the road and it comes back, but we can't really put a time frame on that. Yeah. I think that's super helpful. The idea of, you know, looking at the fruit and seeing what is this producing in this season? And yeah. And it sounds like you also really were kind of sensitive to what God was kind of putting on your heart too, which is definitely helpful. And you feel like those confirmations or, you know, just seems like he continues to place that in front of you. So yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Hey everyone, just taking a quick pause from my conversation with Bailey to share with you about Patreon. Patreon is an awesome platform where you can help support the podcast and in return get extra bonus content. If you've been enjoying the show and want to become a patron, you can check out creativeimpactpodcast.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. That's creativeimpactpodcast.com slash Patreon, and you can take a look and see all the bonus content available now, and that will continue to grow month after month. Thank you to all of our current patrons. You guys are amazing, helping to keep this show going and helping it to reach more listeners. Now let's get back to my conversation with Bailey. So another area, well, kind of like 
step to a different part of your life, I guess now, right. <laughs> even though it's all connected, but yeah, no, this is great. I love it. Um, I just really want to hear about your counseling and, you know, working with equine assisted counseling. So basically how did you first get into, you know, or want to pursue counseling and then in particular with the horses? I think that's yeah. so cool. Well, in undergrad, I was initially a, a child life major, which is working in the hospitals with kids on a social emotional basis. So I'd kind of be helping them understand what kind of procedures were going on and just how to help their emotions. Mm. Cause you know, like doctors and nurses are about their physical self and child life focuses on like the emotional part of the kid and yeah. teaching them. So I got all the way to my senior year and took an expressive play therapy class. And we learned a lot about like expressive arts and creative arts and like kind of counseling type stuff. And I was like, there's even such a thing as expressive art therapy. Like I had no idea. Yeah. And so the more I looked into it and I did all my projects around like the creative arts, it's like, you know what? I think I might prefer doing something like this more than just child life. Mm-hmm. So I changed my major, graduated with a degree in general studies, which is basically a non-degree. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> it's like, like I took enough classes did- to get a degree. Yeah. But- <laughs> Yeah. I decided I was going to go to grad school for counseling. Mm-hmm. So I thought about a lot of different directions to go to get the expressive arts like certification and decided I wanted a clinical degree to have, I guess, kind of like the clout, you know, like actually have the education to back up whatever I wanted to do with the arts. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah. Did the Lipscomb's program and In the program, I took my electives and play therapy and then advanced play therapy, which was more expressive arts. So using photography, using music, using the sand tray, which is like a big sandbox, Mm -hmm. just all sorts of different things. And I also got certified, I guess you could say it's something called a dancing mindfulness facilitator. Just went to a training. Somebody was offering it in Nashville and learned about using dance and like kind of like freestyle or just like improv to tell your story sort of. So I had all these like creative things and I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go with that. I was very interested initially in eating disorders just due to having been a dancer and a high level athlete. I'd seen it a lot. I know how body image is like a big thing. So I did a lot of my like research and my classes, my projects around that kind of stuff and the creative arts. And I remember one of my projects, I came across an article, which was kind of cool because the article was written in French. And so I could understand it. So it's a research article in French. So all the things together, but it was this article that was saying that with, I guess they studied women, but who had eating disorders how creative counseling was a lot more impactful and effective because it essentially bypassed the analytical part of their brain. So Mm. it was like, you can use your words to build up walls, to talk in circles, to explain all the reasons you do what you do. But when you get like the art supplies out, when you get the creative things, the experiential hands-on stuff, when you get that out, your brain can't like cover itself as much. And so it was a lot more healing. That mm-hmm. was kind of goes really deep. I imagine. Yeah. Yes. Gets deeper, quicker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I kind of 
just still pursued that route. One of the things I really latched onto was something called sand tray, um, which I mentioned a second ago, but Mm -hmm. it's like, you've got a box of sand (laughs) and a bunch of miniature toys that all like, they vary from like home toys to aggressive toys, to a family of cows, to people like cars, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it works for kids and adults. And so in my internship, I was with a adults and eating disorders and addiction, like outpatient facility, intensive outpatient. So I was working with them and I used my sand tray for all the sessions and had some really cool breakthrough with clients there. And then after school, I worked for a community and mental health organization for a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working in a school with kids all over depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, you know, families that Mm -hmm. have divorce, just a lot of things going on. And a lot of it, I used drawing, I used the sand tray, I used just different toys because it's really hard for a little kid to sit there and look at you and say, today I am feeling really disappointed because when I woke up this morning, you know, like they don't have the vocabulary to do that. Right. So I used the sand tray, but I was really unhappy working there. This was also the same time of my life when I was trying to keep up with dance and engagement and teaching and overwhelmed everything overwhelmed. I was in a school, but not part of the school because I was contracted Mm -hmm. probably a really low point. And Mm -hmm. I would just like take naps on my floor at lunchtime because I was just so exhausted. It was so draining to do counseling full time. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed working with a lot of the kids, but full-time was just a lot. And so I remember going and talking to one of my old professors and I had talked to him on and off throughout my year and a half at this facility. And this time was different. I was telling him how much I was unhappy with where I was and that I wanted to change and I didn't know what to do. And this dream of having a creative arts ministry and like all of these things. And he was like, you need to go meet my friend Dawn. And I was like, who's Dawn? (laughs) He goes, she sounds a lot like you, you know, she's got an art degree and she's a counselor and she's doing something with horses. And I was like, okay, "Okay, cool. (laughs) You can check it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I went over there. I got connected with her. Um, I went and observed her doing some equine assisted sessions, but I think two different days I went out there and at the end of the second day, she was like, so what do you think? I was like, I think this is amazing that you can do this with horses. And it's a lot like what I said, sand tray. It's a lot Mm. like sand tray, but with living animals and much, much bigger. And she was like, well, we'd love to have you. Like my professor who connected us, she was like, if he trusts you, I trust you. So we'd love to have you. So sweet. Yeah. I have no horse experience. I was not like certified in this. Like, again, this was just God. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, God. totally connecting all the way. Yeah. All yes. these different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like I, yeah, I did not grow up with horses and here I am an equine therapist. So, yeah. So I'm super curious what kind of goes into an equine assisted counseling session. Yeah. So I'm the therapist and I work with another person called the equine specialist. So they are the horse people. So the one I work with right now, her name is Melanie. And so Melanie and I do all of our sessions together. Um, So we're a team, which I really like that aspect of it too, because after some really hard counseling sessions, we can sit there and kind of talk about it Mm, or process. And it's not just me by myself. 
Yeah. That is really nice to have someone you're in it with. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. nice. So we work together for all of our sessions and every session looks a little bit different, but the reason it works is because horses, it works, it works twofold. One, the horses are kind of like a blank canvas for the clients. So -hmm. it's much easier for a kid or an adult to be able to look at a horse standing next to them or out in the field or wherever and be like, that horse is feeling really nervous today about meeting new people Mm. than it is to say, I'm feeling nervous about meeting new people. So it externalizes what's going on with people. Oh yeah. That's really interesting. You're able to kind of project it onto the horses. And then the second way it works is that horses are really emotionally sensitive to people. They are naturally prey animals in the wild. So they're always alert, always trying to decide if their environment is safe. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is coming into a session on the outside, they look fine. And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm having a good day, blah, blah, blah. But on the inside, they're carrying a lot of anxiety or a lot of anger. The horses will respond differently to that person based on what they carry. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty amazing. You know, just yes. so cool how how God's created different creatures, but especially horses. They're just, yeah, something special. Yeah, they're really cool. And so we'll have different sessions like, hey, I want you to go meet the horses and tell me how they're doing. Yeah. Like, just go go connect with them. And then you tell me what you're sensing. And that tells me a lot about the client. I'll say, can you create something? Like we have an arena where we'll bring a horse into it with like toys and props can you create something that shows me what it feels like to be you? Uh, Can you bring that horse over there? Like, can you create an obstacle course, take the horse through an obstacle course? So like, Mm -hmm. there's just a huge variety of like of sessions and we kind of play off what people bring that Mm -hmm. day, kind of what's, what's the ripe fruit that they're ready to work on in their lives. Gotcha. That's super cool. And something that I don't know a whole lot about. So it's really, really neat to learn about. Do you have any specific stories that you want to share about like impact that you've seen of this type of counseling Yeah, for people? Yeah. I think it's, it's been really cool to see some of my clients go all the way through and essentially graduate counseling, mm-hmm. especially when they come to me having said, Hey, I've been to therapy before and it didn't work. Yeah. So this is a last ditch effort. Well, yeah. And it, there's a little bit of pressure there, but uh-huh. <laughs> when they, when they leave and they've graduated and they're like, Hey, I'm so much better. Like it's, it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. We just had one that finished up and just said that they were just so much more confident and aware of their emotions and aware of like how to control their emotions. Yeah. One that was really sweet, just kind of talking about just the connection with the horses. We had a woman who came in who was grieving, like she had lost a baby before it was born. So she was really grieving that she was walking through a really, really tough season. And so I was just like, I want you to go spend some time with the horses and see which one you connect with. And there's some additional research. It's called coupling that says that a lot of times your heart rates, the horses, heart rates and people's heart rates will kind of level out when they're both free to walk around in the space and so a lot of times just being by the horse helps people calm down. So I sent that's her out. Super, that's super, super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. God is so cool. Yeah. But I sent her out and she came, she went and spent some time with a specific horse and just was like, 
over there and she was talking to the horse and she was petting the horse and you could just tell she was so connected to this horse. And we finally approached her after I think probably 15 to 20 minutes. We just let her be. Mm -hmm. We're like, you just need some space. And we got over there and she was just kind of crying. And she was like, there's just something about this horse. Like, I feel like this Mm -hmm. horse really understands me. And like, I feel so connected to this one and all these things. And we don't normally tell clients the horse's story because we want the horses to be a blank slate. But this specific incidence was amazing because that horse had also lost some babies. And so we told her that and she just like lost it, but was like, I knew it. Like I knew this horse understood me. So that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Got chills there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. I love the creativity element, you know, embedded into what you're doing and in all these different ways, but especially what you're doing now, that's, it's just cool to see how, you know, it doesn't have to be the traditional way that we think of like, this is counseling or this is therapy. Like, you know, there's so much out there to explore and ways, tools, you know, tools to use. So absolutely. If one doesn't work, like for people who are looking for a therapist, I think the biggest thing is like, if you don't connect with your therapist, find a different one Yeah, because there's so many different types of therapy, faith-based or not faith-based, like, but connecting with your therapist is like the biggest thing. So if you don't, if you go and you're like, eh, it's not working, find another one because mm-hmm. it'll probably work better with somebody else. Yeah. That's good. Oh. Good word of wisdom for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and encouragement <laughs> for people. So yeah, that's so cool. And I love how all of these different parts of your life, kind of like you were saying that God doesn't waste anything, you know, Mm-mm. there's so many different elements, but that they're all part of what you do now. And in some way, shape or form. So um, yeah, tell me more about Paraclesis. This sounds really exciting. Yeah. New venture. It is. It's new. I'm very excited because I officially just bought like my domain. So Ooh, like my yeah. website. Good job. Woo-hoo. It's a big step. Yeah, it is. It's like, okay, I'm invested now. Have yep. to actually like do stuff on this. Uh-huh. Um, but God started putting this on my heart probably like three years ago, I think like 2018, mm-hmm. maybe early probably early 2018. And it just became this, like, maybe someday I'll do this, maybe someday. So I don't know. Essentially what it is, is I'm hoping that it'll become a ministry, Mm -hmm. but the goal of it is reconnecting creativity to the creator to aid in personal healing and growth. I love that. So it's like, and even in this podcast that you're doing, like creative arts, I feel like God is like, working in this thing where he's reclaiming the arts mm-hmm. because he made them, you know, yeah. and the world has twisted them. And so that's kind of where like the heart was where we can use arts and we can use creative endeavors to connect to God. He is the creator. Like yeah. he made everything. And so I think a lot of times different churches or just different traditions have made God very black and white and very analytical, Mm -hmm. but he is creative. He is beautiful. Like just, there's so much to it. So like just a sunset, you know? Yes. I'm like looking at my window, how many different colors of green there are out my window right now. Like he's amazing. So I want to help people connect to God because I think God is where ultimate healing comes from. Mm -hmm. Even as a therapist, like when my clients are Christians, I feel like I can get a lot more done with them Mm -hmm. than when they're not just because 
ultimate healing comes from him. Yeah. But I want to help people connect to him through creative exercises, through creative arts, through all sorts of things. So I've got a few different, I guess, blog post series slash future teaching series that I'm working on. One is the lessons from a garden that I mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier. One is our five senses and how he created our five senses very uniquely. And even like some of the scientific things behind that and how we can use those to like intentionally worship him and not just be passive about it. That sounds really, really fun. Yeah. Like just a snippet of that is just thinking about, you know, communion or like the last supper, Jesus like broke the bread and gave it to the disciples. Like, and he said, take this and eat. Like, it's not just, I think it's interesting that the sacrament, you know, of communion is the only thing that you have to choose to take in. Like Mm -hmm. you can passively see, smell, hear, or feel things passively all the time, but you cannot passively put something in your mouth. Ooh, yeah. You have to choose that. Uh So it's an intentional decision. So just things like that. And the way that our smell is connected to the olfactory bulb, the limbic system of your brain that creates memory, just there's, there's so much mm-hmm. that I, I could talk forever about that. Yeah. We may have to have a whole, we could have a whole episode. <laughs> That'd be really cool. <laughs> yeah. At some point. I'll do it. <laughs> but I would love to do retreats Yeah, for women eventually. But one of the other aspects, which was cool this year, that is in my heart, it's part of Paraclesis, but I was able to do it under the umbrella of Adonai this past year was a women's workout and worship fitness class. Ooh, that's perfect because it's like the the athlete side. I mean, dancers are athletes, uh-huh. but sort of the workout, like more conditioning side uh-huh. combined with yes. worship yeah, and healing. Yeah, it was really cool. I got really great feedback from the women. Each class had a specific theme, like refuge. And then it would have specific scripture about how God is our refuge. And like Mm -hmm. the music for the class was specifically focused on this. And we would have exercises and we would repeat the same class for like three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. And there was times within the class of like meditation on a specific scripture or just quiet time with the Lord. And each class would like build up to a certain level. And then we would have a whole song of just free worship, which ended up turning into kind of like free dance, like free worship with your body because you had been exercising and moving in this space already that you already felt like, okay, I just need to worship with my body. Mm -hmm. So that was really incredible. And they just all said how, you know, emotionally and spiritually and physically nourishing it was for them. Mm -hmm. And that was just God, like in the fall, we had a really low enrollment for Adonai because 2020. Right. You know. 2020. <laughs> exactly. 2020. It's the only explanation. You uh-huh. And God said, you're going to teach a workout and worship class. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you're going to do this. And I was like, are you sure? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if anybody is going to sign up for this, but I reached out to a few ladies and they're like, yes, I've been wanting something like this. So that will also be under paraclesis, but it's cool. that it's kind of gotten to grow under Adonai mm-hmm. so. sort of develop and yeah, try it out. That's, that sounds super cool. I mean, that sounds like something I would want to go to. <laughs> so yeah. like if I lived in Nashville, that'd be really fun. <laughs> but yes. that's awesome. And getting to do, I love the idea of the retreats too. I think that yeah. 
that's probably a big area of need, you know, people to be able to Mm -hmm. just get away in a sense and also find healing and refuge, like using the theme refuge for sure. But yeah, find a place of just quiet as well Yes, in our current world. It's just like so much noise all the time. So absolutely. And the, the name Paraclesis, I forgot to mention this is Greek Mm -hmm. and it has such a depth to what that word means, but it's um, like to draw near, to comfort, to ask for comfort, to mm. console. It's just like a really beautiful word. And in Second Corinthians, Paul talks about like we comfort others because we have been comforted ourselves by God. Yeah. And so that's kind of the heart of it, like giving to others because the Lord has given to us. So. Ooh, so good. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I love that. And I'm excited to see what the Lord has in store for you and your yeah. And everyone that'll be touched by it and already is, you know, whether it's reading the blog posts or being part of the class and that kind of thing. So super cool. Yeah. It would be really fun to hear more in a future episode. (laughs) We can dive in deeper. That would be really fun. Yes. Kind of to wrap up today, I always love to ask, you know, is there a word of encouragement or like something on your heart that you want to share with other artists right now? Yeah, I think I already kind of said like God doesn't waste things. He yeah. he recycles everything. And so just remember that. But I also was just thinking like don't downplay your artistic abilities and or God's ability to work through them just like in you through them because the places that I am at right now I never would have imagined. And I sometimes have discussions with my husband about like am I making enough money or is this good enough? Or I'm I doing all these things. And he's like, you know what? Like God is changing lives through what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so don't downplay your gifts. I could go back and sit like for so many reasons. I don't, didn't feel like I was a, an equipped enough dancer or had the right background. I don't have a degree in dance, like all of these things, but like here I am. And he called mm-hmm. me and he put me here. And so if you're being called in some way to just follow that and don't feel like you have to fit into this little mold. Mm, yeah. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't fit. And then I was listening to a conversation a couple of nights ago and this lady, I think her name, Roberta Amundsen. And she was like, she was quoting some of the popes, which I'm not Catholic, but she, she was quoting, she was talking about church history. And she oh, said, yeah. the church is, one of she said it was Pope Benedict the 16, and then she also said John Paul II. And I looked mm-hmm. up stuff from both of them, but she said the church's greatest witness is her art and her saints, mm. and just the way that art in church history historically has been so impactful. And yeah. so I looked up those quotes, and so I just have two things that I want to share one from each of them, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, the Pope Benedict the 16th said. Better witness is born to the Lord by the splendor of holiness and art, which have arisen in the community of believers, than by clever excuses, which apologetics has come up with. Mm, nice. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Like art does so much more than just apologetics, I guess, is what he was mm. saying. And then this one, I didn't even know this existed. And this is John Paul or Pope John Paul II. April 4th, 1999, if people want to look it up, but it's called a letter to artists and it's from the Vatican. It's like on Easter, he wrote a letter to artists and he said, I appeal, especially to you, Christian artists. 
I wish to remind each of you that beyond functional considerations, the close alliance that has always existed between the gospel and art means you are invited to use your creative intuition to enter into the heart of mystery of the incarnate God and at the same time, the mystery of man. So like Mm. you've been given the gift to see God's heart and kind of pull that in and then also take that and enter it into people's heart. And so I just thought the whole letter was beautiful. It's kind of one of those you know meditate on because of his wording, but just really, really good. Soak it in. Yes. (laughs) That's so cool. And I didn't know that existed either. I need to look it up for sure. Can link to it. So yeah. yeah, And that's really cool coming. I'm not from a Catholic background either, but it just seems neat that they would, that there would be that like call to artists, you know? Yeah. And that was like on Easter. Wow. April 4th, 1999. Like that was his letter that day was like to artists. I just thought that's so beautiful. Yeah. God has a heart for artists for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. (laughs) Well, just for fun, um, do you have something that's one of your favorite things right now? I like to ask everyone that, (laughs) but you've listened, so you probably were a little more prepared (laughs) than some people. (laughs) Yes, I have a lot of favorite things, but I'll narrow it down. I have really enjoyed in the last year a a modern-day liturgy book called Every Moment Holy. You know what's crazy is I was literally just listening to a podcast with that author. um, I forget his name. But Douglas McKelvey. Yes. I was just okay. listening to him and I, I think he just wrote a second or had a second one come mm-hmm. out or something. Anyway. Yeah. Sounds they so are beautiful books. I think that when you have a you have a prayer in your heart and you don't have the words for it, it's so good to like go and read somebody else's words that they've like prayed over. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff from like washing the windows to doing laundry to employing other people. And then his second book that he's come out with, well, in the first one, it's still like bonfires and stargazing, like everything, every moment, every moment of life is holy because God is there with you. It's the central part of it. And the second book is on like death and grief. Mm. So those really hard places, but like the words when you don't have the words. Mm -hmm. So those are specifically one. And then the other one that just really came to mind, I read this past year, I read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Oh, cool. And I just reference it and think about it all the time. It is so creative and it's his fiction work on what it could be if there was life on other planets. Mm. And it's a commentary on humanity, but then also like this idea of, worlds that are untouched by scent. Like it's just really beautiful and highly, highly recommend it. And then the third book I feel like is so applicable to our current world that we're in right now. So they're just, they're really, really good. Yeah. I love C.S. Lewis, but I have not read those. So I need to check them out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's really good. Cool. I love that so much. Well, I'd love to connect people with your work and especially paraclesis. So what's the best way to connect in with you? Yeah, I think probably the Paraclesis website right now because it has links to everything and you can email me or get in touch that way. So it's paraclesis.org. Awesome. That's nice. It makes it simple. (laughs) Yeah, I was pretty excited that was available. (laughs) Yeah, because you never know. It feels like it's just a big like search process. Definitely for picking the podcast title. It took a while. (laughs) So I'm glad, glad it was available. That's awesome. Super yeah. fun. And I would love to talk to anybody or hear from anybody. So yeah. I'm so, totally open. 
Well, Bailey, this has been so much fun and really just so cool seeing all of the different ways that God is working through not only the arts, but like counseling and all the things that he's sort of orchestrated in your life. And I think it'll be a huge encouragement to every single person that listens. So thank you for sharing your story and just opening up with us today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. loved getting to know Bailey and I hope that you were encouraged through this episode as well. You can find all the links, the full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. All right, you guys, you waited to the end of the episode and now you get to hear the exciting news for next week. Our official one year anniversary of the podcast launch is happening a week from today on June 15th. So Tuesday, June 15th, I have a super fun episode planned for you with our very first guest ever on the Creative Impact Podcast, Stella Omblade. She joins me again for this one-year kind of birthday anniversary episode. We have a ton of fun catching up on each other's lives over the past year and also kind of just taking a look back at the show and how it's continued to grow over this first year. If you haven't heard her first episode yet, I would encourage you to go back and listen to episode one and join us next week for our one-year celebration. I want to give you a heads up that after next week's episode, we'll be taking a little six weeks hiatus to be able to reset, refresh, and get ready for another amazing year of episodes moving forward. I'll share more about that next week, and I can't wait to have you join us for the launch anniversary celebration episode. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Share the show with a friend, check out our Patreon community, and I'll see you next week for my conversation with the amazing Stella Omblade.